It's arguably the biggest month in professional wrestling in, well, possibly ever, as we start August with SummerSlam and end the month with All In at Wembley Stadium, and we're here to talk about all of it on a bumper earning the push. My name is Jack Murley, based in the UK, professional broadcaster, alongside professional athlete down in Australia, Charlie Beckett. Welcome to Earning the Push. How are you, Mr. Beckett? Very well, thank you, sir. Very well. I hope you are too. I have dressed formally for the occasion I, I won't lie I've always caught myself that I forgot that I hadn't changed out of just more of my basketball shirts that I wear around the house and now I've got on the podcast so here we go so this will be fun for socials later you are looking ripped my man you're wearing for listeners who for, for people who won't be able to see this you are wearing a basketball vest like you, your shoulders are out your biceps are out your bronze Aust- Australia is good to you you can't see below my chest which is where it's less ripped there's no six pack going on here don't you worry I'm like I'm like Gunther pre. I'm like Gunther when he was Walter. Okay, okay. Well, speaking of the big man, he is one of a number of people we'll be talking about on the show today. Remember, if you like what we do here, you can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And don't forget, he's Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore Murley, and off we go talking all in. Vince McMahon back in the news, but we have to start with SummerSlam. It returns to Ford Field, does WWE for the first time since WrestleMania 23 in 2007 for this year's biggest party of the summer. The stadium will be packed. The card is stacked as well. Let's get into it, because Charlie, before we do the individual matches, it is a huge card. It feels big. It's massive, isn't it? I think from the moment they announced they were taking SummerSlam to a stadium again, that was really cool. And you thought they're going to have a big show to make it worth filling that out. It seems like they've pretty much filled Ford Field, which is no mean feat for anything except Mania. You think about Mania 23 and how big that felt. SummerSlam is going to be on that sort of level, which is huge. And this is a really, really big and exciting card, but without being too large match-wise, uh, which I think everyone who's listened to this knows I'm a big fan of the shorter Sub four hours, I think, is prime for uh, between three and four hours is what where my attention span is for one sitting of wrestling. I think this is going to come around the 345 mark again, which is spot on for me. It shows discipline because matches we'd assumed were going to happen on SummerSlam actually don't look like they're happening there at all. Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch is going to happen in Canada after SummerSlam. I think we all thought it was a lock for the biggest party of the summer. Let's go with what is going to be the main event. Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso for Tribal Chief Recognition and the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. There's one more SmackDown before SummerSlam. This weekend, Charlie, I was at WAW in Norwich doing commentary there, and a few people suggested to me that now might be the time for Roman Reigns to lose and that Jey Uso is the man to do it. What do we think? I've seen a lot of this online as well, on Twitter, X, whatever it's called nowadays. Um, I can see it. I can see the story. I could see how it makes sense, full circle. I can absolutely see it. I can absolutely understand the people who want it. It just, it wouldn't fulfill me. It wouldn't make me go, yes, that's the ending I want. And I'm not saying that would mean it was a bad ending. Like, you could make the argument for it completely, and I can totally understand the people who want it. And I wouldn't think it was a bad ending to the story at all. But it just, for some reason, my gut instinct is that wouldn't be the correct way to go. Now, I'm not saying I know what the correct way is. And so many times I've been wrong with this storyline. I thought it was the right, it wasn't the right time, and they've got it right every time so far, WWE. It just, for me, I think it has to be Roman this weekend. What, what, what do you think? 
I feel the same way you do. I think we both felt at WrestleMania, regardless of what WWE ended up doing, it felt right for it to be Cody. I think I could have been persuaded it felt right for Sammy to win in Montreal as well. This doesn't have that feeling of the build to it, which is odd because the whole bloodline has, in a way, been about Jay and Roman. That's been the driving force through it. But... I just don't quite think that if we end SummerSlam with Jey Uso lifting the undisputed WWE Universal Championship above his head, I'm going to feel like we got enough juice out of the story. I think we're going to get a hell of a match, but I, I just don't, I don't see it. But I can see the counterfactual for why other folks feel that he should. Yeah, I can absolutely see it. And if this whole storyline, this three years, ends in making a new absolute megastar in Jey Uso, a new main eventer, then it would be worse. It wouldn't. That, that's what wrestling should be about. When people go, go out. I know he's not retiring. But when people do finally lose great reigns, things like this, it should be to make a new start. I, I completely see that side of it. And maybe it might be a negative way of thinking of me, but I just because he's been in a tag team wrestler for so long, and he's more than holding his own the main event. I just, and this is really harsh from me, and I don't think it's the right way to think, but I can't help the way I think. I don't see Jey Uso as the face of SmackDown, the face of WWE. I just. I don't see it for whatever reason. Like I say, that's my issue. He's brilliant. He's got everything he needs to be to be that guy. I just don't think it's the right call right now. The way we talk about Roman Reigns and who ends this title reign, is this title reign bigger than The Undertaker's WrestleMania streak? I knew you were going to ask that when you started that question. It just came to me. I'm going to say no, simply because of this. Would you have been happy if The Undertaker had never lost to WrestleMania? Yeah, and, and I still feel that's the right call. Would you be happy if Roman Reigns was champion forever? No, but I do have the same investment in Roman's title reign where I now feel there is a wrong way to lose it. I, I think that The Undertaker had such a longevity and by the end he was only doing one match a year, the Mania match, that... The, the, I, I wanted that just to go on for him almost as a well-done taker, but I, I feel as invested in the right way to end this title streak because it's been so precious as I did in The Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. Yeah, 100%. And you've got to choose the right person and the right story and make it. And I can I can definitely see why people think this is the right story, no doubt at all. And I can see why people think Jey Uso is the right man. I can see it. I I just, for whatever reason, don't. So if he loses, which is what we both seem to be agreeing, that Jey Uso goes out on his sword here, how does he lose? Does he get beaten clean? Do we see Solo Sikoa come in? Do we see Jimmy Uso turn on Jey? You've said you'd like to see brother versus brother at WrestleMania. What better way to kick that off than something like this at SummerSlam? Oh, how he loses is a big, big question. I don't think it's clean. I think I saw something that Roman hasn't won clean since November 2022 in a in a um, title match and ridiculous like that. I don't know how he loses dirty. I don't know. I don't think it's Jimmy. I don't think unless Jimmy comes in to try and help him, it accidentally costs him and it starts to bed seeds of doubt. I don't know. Solo would be the obvious one. But knowing the way they've twist and turned with this in the past, he could... Roman could bring, bring bloody Rikishi out to screw Jay. Like, honestly, like, the way this is twist and turned, Grayson Waller keeps on referencing The Rock. Now, are they just teasing us? Or is Dwayne coming to do something? I just don't know. And the fact that we're even considering that is mental. So, 
I, I know my job on this podcast is to make predictions and see, but I can't hear. I can't do it. I'll make predictions about other things, but not this. I just don't know. I don't know. You mentioned The Rock. He is the great white whale of WWE at the moment. He is swimming around out there in the ecosystem looking ripped. There is currently a writer's strike in, in America, which means all filming for uh, blockbuster movies is on hold, which means The Rock's schedule, one would assume, is fairly clear. Now, we made fools of ourselves before WrestleMania last year when we were saying, what about The Rock? But the, the speculation, and is it just wrestling fans? Who knows? But when you talk about the elders in the Anawaii family, yes, there are the wild Samoans at the top, but the biggest beast in that family, the biggest branch on the family tree, is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It is, and as long as they keep delving into the family and the family history and the elders, this will keep coming up. And they know that, and they know that maybe they're getting Grayson Waller to mock The Rock just to make us think it. Maybe they are, but it's working, and I'm thinking it. Yeah, me as well. Look, whatever happens, we're going to get a, a, a brutal, bloody match. I can see this being one where WWE says, lads, if, if, if you get a bit of blood accidentally, I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. It is going to be violent. It is going to be vicious, probably. Uh, no doubt in anyone's mind, it is going to be the main event. We're going to talk Asuka versus Charlotte Flair versus Bianca Belair in a tick. Uh, Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar as well. And a huge announcement for all in at Wembley. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening. Uh, if the main event is Roman Reigns versus Jay Uso, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor have done a really good job of making their World Heavyweight Championship clash feel prestigious. It's one of the main events we'll see at SummerSlam. Good build, short amount of time. Really like what they've done here. Really good build. Made it feel very much big fight feeling about it. Heated rivalry. Lots of things that could happen with, obviously, um, Judgment Day's involvement. Damien Priest's briefcase being at ringside because I imagine he will be. He could get involved at any time. Um, yeah, I think it's a really, really good build, this. And in another life, this could very easily main event this SummerSlam and we'd all be happy. Genuinely, I think it's that good. Uh, it's just unfortunate that it's coming against a match that's been building for three years. But I think this will really deliver. I don't think it will be overshadowed on the card. I think it will have its place. I think this will come very much in the middle of the card, I think. I think we'll see this bang in the middle. Uh, and will kind of be the preemptor to the big match that's coming through. Uh, I think this will be really exciting. We we saw at Money in the Bank, their match got a little overshadowed. It felt a little short. It felt a little as an afterthought. And no shame in being an afterthought on a night when John Cena came back and promised WrestleMania London and Jey Uso beats Roman Reigns. However, you know both these men had that competitive fire burning within them. You're an athlete, you know what it's like. If you go out and you feel overshadowed by someone or something, you don't want that to happen two nights in a row. They won't want this to happen two premium live events in a row. No, and they're very much two of the great performers and in-ring technicians of this generation. I think we, because they're such good character workers as well, both, and then we forget just how good they are in the ring and I think they, if they want to, if they're given the time, given 20 minutes, I think they could be match of the night for pure wrestling very, very quickly. But then there's a lot of matches on this card that could. It's a very, very good card. It's, it's an excellent card for wrestling. One thing I want to point out, obviously all cards are subject to change, but there is no other match where the bloodline features on this match, uh, on this card. And given that, obviously, Rhea Ripley is the women's world champion, Damian Priest is the money in the bank holder, and Dom is the NXT USA uh, North American champion, um, 
you kind of catch shenanigans in this way. There's no way they don't have Dom and Rhea and Damien get involved in this somehow. They have to be part of it. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think they're at ringside and involved some way. Even if they're not all there to start with, they'll get involved. But yeah, yeah there's no way... There's no way this match goes its entirety without some sort of shenanigans. I, I would bet a lot of money on that if I had a lot of money, which I don't. But if I did, that's where I'd be going with it. Yeah, we're going to get shenanigans. I think we're getting a title change here. I think that, that this is the one where I would expect a title change. I don't think we're going to see it in this triple threat for the WWE Women's Championship. Asuka versus Charlotte Flair versus Bianca Belair. But you know you used to on SmackDown versus Raw make a pay-per-view on, on the creator mode and you have your fantasy matches. This is a fantasy match. Asuka, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, Belair, all in the ring together. Three of the best that WWE and women's wrestling have to offer. This, put it on first and have it steal the show. Yeah, this could be sensational. Um, WWE have, have been veering away from triple threats recently. We don't see that many of them. I re a, a good triple threat is one of the greatest storytelling devices in wrestling. I think the way you, the things you can do with a triple threat are sensational. So... I'm really, really excited for this one. I think it'll be brilliant. I don't think it'll go on first because I think Brock Cody will go on first because if Brock ain't going on last, Brock likes going on first, as we learned at WrestleMania 35, wasn't it, where he came out with Seth Rollins first. So I genuinely wouldn't be surprised to go off to a hot start and genuinely to please Brock if that goes first. Um, but wherever this goes on the card, the hype will be real for it. It's the biggest women's match they can give us at the moment. I think we were expecting to have, like you said earlier, Becky and Trish on this card, but we don't. I don't think the hype's going to be too big for Ronda Shayna, as we spoke about last week. So this is where you get your fix of women's wrestling here. And there aren't really three better in the world to give it to us. I think it's going to be sensational. Triple threats are, are great when done right. And you know how I'd like them to treat this one? is a bit like that triple threat at Survivor Series, where I think it was Seth, Bobby Lashley, and Austin Theory, who just went out and had an amazing triple threat. Sort of out of nowhere, middle of the card. No one was expecting much from it, and they absolutely wowed. And if you say to these three women, here's 12 minutes, go hell for leather from the start, you know they're going to do crazy things. I mean... There is no athlete, male or female, who is more capable in the ring than Bianca Belair. Charlotte Flair is a future Hall of Famer. Asuka as a heel is great. I think that if you were to bet on a show stealer, this could well be it. I think it absolutely could be it. But if I had to bet on a show stealer, it'd actually be Logan Paul Ricochet. Yeah, I, I am so hyped for that match after relatively speaking fairly little they've not they've not gone full bells and whistles for it but and and i'm as hyped for it as much i keep saying it you can hate the person but the performer logan paul sensational absolutely and they've done a real good job of and they've done a good job because they did a poor job with him but they've made ricochet seem very serious and viable and a threat to anyone again very quickly where for a long time he wasn't he was just mr flippy flip and that was it but i think I'm not always a big fan of them bringing personal lives into it, but I think the fact that Logan Paul acknowledged that Samantha Irvin is Ricochet's real-life fiance, she's ringside, and she'll be the one announcing the winner, and his name will be in his fiance's mouth. I thought that was a very clever way of making this personal, heating it up, rather because this could very easily just be, these two guys can flip, so let's put them in a ring together. Especially when the Spanish fly spot among the bank that was meant to start this all off didn't work quite, quite perfectly. And they've done a good job to heat this up and make it more than just two flippy dudes having a fight. 
There's a reason they dislike each other. There's a reason for this match. I think it's going to be very good. And what's interesting is, am I right in saying this is probably the first time that Logan Paul has been used to elevate a WWE star? Every time we've seen it previously, the Miz has brought Paul up, Roman Reigns bringing Paul up, Seth Rollins bringing Logan Paul up. This is the first time I think someone's gone, look, Logan Paul is here and Ricochet is a little below him. Let's give Ricochet some Logan Paul magic. Yeah, I, I think you're more than right. And it brings Ricochet into the mainstream, especially with there are people out there who will watch these segments because Logan Paul's in it. They're Logan Paul fans. I think I, I think they're called the Loganators, by the way. Logan Paul fans, I think, we heard this week. So the, the Loganator. There'll be some listening to this podcast that big up the Loganators. Um, I don't think there's much crossover between us and Logan Paul's audience, if I'm honest. Speak for yourself. Okay. Um, but what I was saying was there'll be guys there who I think, guys and girls who are watching these segments because of Logan Paul, who aren't wrestling fans per se, and there's a real good job of showcasing Ricochet, and they'll be like, who the hell is this Ricochet guy? Especially bringing out his tricks, like the flick from the outst- from the ring to standing outside, the class we did in NXT against Velveteen Dream. They do a real good job of maximising Ricochet's minutes here in the mainstream. I, I, I can see some exciting possibilities, whoever goes over. I think if Logan Paul goes over and Seth Rollins wins... I keep saying, go back to Rollins against Logan Paul for that world championship. I think that'd be perfect. If Ricochet wins, who wouldn't want to say Ricochet against Gunther for the IC championship? Because I don't think Drew is beating Gunther at SummerSlam. And I think there's a heel turning Gunther's future. I mean, just just this card, the more you talk about it, the more exciting it gets. It re- they've done a stellar job. Perhaps the only match that... If people are going to be fast-forwarding through one match on the card, it's likely to be Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler. MMA rules. I just... I just can't. It, it's just not doing it for me. The, the issue is as well... So we, we went through last week the issue with the feud. I know what they're trying to do by making it MMA rules. But the issue is you've got two of the greatest MMA fighters of their time who are going to be having a fake MMA fight. And we're all going to know it's not like if one of them puts it in the Kimura lock, they're not actually going to be trying to break the one's arm like they would be in a real MMA fight. I think that's going to cheapen it a little bit. Like it just, you know what I'd have put them in? You're going to say fight pit. You love a fight pit. But let's not make it a fake MMA match. Let's not pretend we're doing MMA. Let's put them in the closest thing that wrestling has to that. I, I, I just thought of it then like, we, we've had two or three fight pit matches where it's like, this is a fight. You can only win by knockout or submission. And yes, I have my issues with knockout in wrestling. It's not a book, but you know, whatever. But put them in a cage. They're cage fighters. And that's the closest thing we've got to a real fight in WWE, apart from back in the day with the Brawl for All, which we, we could do a whole separate podcast about. Um, so, yeah, I, that's what I would put it. I think it's just going to be very obvious that these two MMA fighters are not having an MMA fight unless, imagine the scenes if they went out and just had a shoot MMA fight and were like, let's just do it. That would be sensational, but they're not going to. You're absolutely right, because it, it it's a weird one where people say, you know, we're professional wrestlers, but actually what's going to take you to the next level? MMA. It doesn't it doesn't work. I mean, good examples are the fight bit. We saw for, for fans with a longer memory back in TNA when we had Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe in a cage at lockdown where they brought in some MMA elements, but they never said, oh, it's an MMA rules match. I understand why they're doing it. It's a bit of a sop to Ronda and to Shayna. Um, 
it will be what it will be. And maybe, look, good luck to them. Maybe we'll come out the other side saying it was great and it's a shot in the arm they needed. We got a battle royale for SummerSlam as well. And that is really it. I think we can be in and out in under four hours on this. And I think it has the potential to be even better than last year's SummerSlam, which was excellent. Yeah, I think this could be a really, really great show, and I'm very excited for it. And I was saying off air to Jack, they start at 10 a.m. Aussie time, so that is beautiful for me on a lazy Sunday. That is ridiculous. And and folks, remember, it is a Saturday SummerSlam. I think we've become quite blasé to the fact that WWE flip-flops between Saturday and Sundays now. Remember when Saturday felt like a real novelty. But yeah, if you're listening in the UK, as most folks are, Saturday, if you're listening in Australia, it's Sunday. If you're listening uh, in America, then you know exactly when it is. A nice, easy start for you. Uh, Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter is him. Jack underscore Merley is me. Let's talk AEW all in, because if we're starting... The wrestling summer with SummerSlam at Ford Field, which is going to be a beast of a show. AEW now billing all in as the biggest professional wrestling show in history. And they may well be right. Before we talk about the main event, Charlie, just doing some digging around last night. There is some suggestion that this will be the biggest wrestling show ever outside of the North Korean show that WCW did in 95, where they had about 120,000 in and very different circumstances. But the fact that AEW could be putting on the biggest wrestling show ever. Extraordinary. Bonkers. And I think, as you say, we've become blasé to the Saturdays. We've become blasé to AEW's success in less than five years. It's it's phenomenal. And the fact that they can sell this many tickets with now only one match announced is just... It, it's beggar's belief. And I think it just shows two things. It shows the great success of AEW for as much as we sit here and we criticize things they do on screen the off-screen success of this company is is phenomenal i think it again shows the incredible wrestling fandom there is here in the united kingdom uh, and europe there'll be people coming from all over europe for this so we can't we can't rule out europe but especially in the uk we've been clamoring for these shows for so long and now we've had three it'd be three big shows in a year if you take clash the castle money in the bank and all in and i think we've shown why these companies are going to be coming here annually now it's, it's a cash cow for them and it makes for a great atmosphere. It's just extraordinary. I remember us sitting together when they announced Wembley Stadium and go, Ooh. I tell you what, if they get 40,000, that's going to be brilliant for them. That'll look great. We're looking at about 80,000. 80, WCW never did that. NWA never did that. New Japan, I don't think, has ever come close to doing that. Uh, Ring of Honor, sold out Madison Square Garden, never come close to it. AEW... It, they could take the crown. They could conceivably say to WWE, we see your WrestleManias, we've done something bigger than you ever have. That is madness. It, it, it's beyond comprehension. WWE will always say, oh yeah, well, WrestleMania 32, over 100,000 at AT&T Stadium. First of all, you have to question a lot of the time WWE's counting for these things. They're interesting, to say the least. And second of all, that's WrestleMania. That had... At that point, 31 years of heritage, WrestleMania 32. We've been around for 31 years. This is the second ever All-In. This is AEW's first show in the United Kingdom. This, I th am I right to say this is their first show outside North America? Yeah, yeah. It's just mental. Like, the business side of this, whatever the show is, however good it is, and with the main event, it's going to be brilliant. However good it is, However bloody long it is, because that's my one worry. The business of this is a success. Done. Done and dusted. 
And they will be backed in the UK time and time again as long as the demand is there. And they probably locked up Wembley now because Wembley are going to be looking and going, all right, all right, lads, we maybe we took a chance on you and not WWE, but fair play, you've, you've done the business. I mean, I just think before we talk about the main event, it is absolutely worth flagging up how astonishing that is. If it's the biggest show in their history, what is the biggest match that AEW can give us at the moment? It is Adam Cole versus MJF. We hear it announced on the 200th episode of Dynamite. It is the main event for all in the MJF world title match with Adam Cole. I love it, Charlie. I can't pretend otherwise. I love it. We get here after Better Than You, Bebe, failed to win the tag team belts on collision. MJF taking a finisher that was meant for Adam Cole. The storyline keeps getting better and better. Yeah, it's a it's a storyline of all the possibilities. I didn't think them winning and stay sorry, them losing and staying together would be viable. I like how they did it. I like they did something I hadn't thought of, I wasn't expecting. I like that the tease after Adam Cole was expecting the turn and MJF couldn't do it. I saw a montage from turning on everyone else he's ever been friends with, but not Adam Cole. And then honestly, w, um, wrestling fans should all become detectives because some of the things they dig up. I saw a video, it's going to be going around, I'm sure you'll have seen it, it's been, I think I sent you, but listeners will have seen it as well, of when Adam Cole hugs MJF after the match, he does the same tap, and the same, he taps on the back with his fist, which people are saying is a stabbing in the back motion that he did to Roddy Strong the last time he hugged him before he turned on him in NXT. And, oh, if that is what Adam Cole is doing, the detail he is going into is phenomenal. And if that is the detail that we're seeing from fans watching, then phenomenal. And you know what I could see happening here? We And if he does this, I'll just love him forever. This could be the launch of bring them back. Let's have the Undisputed Era in AEW properly. Let's have them come in and turn on MJF and shenanigans and help Cole win. And let's launch the heel Undisputed Era. Call them the, the Disputed Era. I don't know. Call them something else. Let's have them in AEW with all the gold like they had in NXT and just run that back again. And let's have the double turn with face MJF and see where that goes because he's actually really, really good at it. You can't play this card twice with MJF. Do you remember after um, it was all out, I think, where he made that shoot promo in uh, wherever it was uh, and and Punk came down to the ring and it was all played very much like everyone wanted to cheer MJF. We saw it with Regal as well when he betrayed Regal. It was almost like he was turning face. People are sometimes you just have to pull the trigger. It's And this is high praise. I think MJF is sort of at that Stone Cold in the mid-90s era where Stone Cold wanted to stay heel, the fans want to cheer him. So have him do exactly what he's doing now, but just have him be a face. And no better heel to play off against than Adam Cole. This, for me, is the best storytelling AEW have ever done. Ever. I, I entirely agree with that entirely. This is the most and best I've been in a... AEW story so I am very very up for this main event I just think it's we were so excited when we got the punk MJF face off and they were throwing bombs at each other and it was all very shoot insider that was great we loved a little bit of that this is better than that this is better than the stuff with Regal which was good and what I love is is everyone knows someone is turning at some point so you have to watch you have to watch because you know it's good. they're like rats in a sack yeah it, it's it's who's going to turn, because at the heart of it, they're both scumbags. Yeah, they are both scumbags. They're both heels, they're both bad people, they're both villains, and it will who who can't help themselves first. 
And who makes himself vulnerable for MJF? The only time that he'd let someone in to be betrayed? Tell me that storyline. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Here's some more big news from AEW. We heard that Adam Page, Kenny Omega, and Young Bucks all committing their long-term future to AEW. We don't know the length of the contract. We know that they have signed on for a number of years. We know there was interest from WWE that they considered. That is a real vote of confidence in the elite to AEW. Yeah, it's huge. And I think I was reading, I think this is like the wildest but cutest thing I've ever read, but the four of them agreed to stick together, whatever they did, and just took a majority vote on what they do. I mean, that's real trust in your mates. That's real. And, and shows how close they are as in real life, those people. And that's a huge vote constantly. I mean, a big loss for WWE because they are four megastars. If they could have got those four over WWE, that's a huge, huge loss for AEW. So, that, that's huge for AEW. That's I, I think it's probably best for wrestling. Mm. Like it's probably best they're not that they're over AEW doing their thing and keeping competitive with WWE. So I, I think that's great. I also really enjoyed AEW carried on their funny thing they do of let's have a one-off really rogue um, appearance from an old WWE star with RBD turning up out of nowhere this week. Yeah, Rob Van Dam turning up and and little thick around the middle won't we all be at that age and you i admit i saw him coming down to the ring and thought i'm not sure and then he did those one of those jumping spinning back kicks to almost take jack perry's head off and you go okay he's still got it one one thing that some people have said online which i share the concern about is that rob van dam opened up about his cte diagnosis not a huge amount of time ago now you obviously know a lot more about concussions than i do i hope whatever they have planned for him is mindful and respectful of his health above anything. Yeah, I I don't know the analysis of CTE and his diagnosis, but all I know is when you have got brain trauma and brain issues, doing anything that may harm that is not a good plan, and having a wrestling match doesn't strike me as the best plan there. But what we have to say is AW got great doctors, I've no doubt about it, and it seems like Tony Khan looks after his people and health would be paramount, so... I'm sure people far more qualified to talk about this and make decisions than you or I have have been consulted and have made the decision. So we've got to presume that it's all safe and dandy, but it does seem to be a bit of a, of with those issues you've spoken about, to then go and wrestle, I don't see how that, for my untrained eye, seems the best idea. But as I say, I'm sure the doctors are aware of it and we'll make sure it's as safe as it can be. Yep, and let's hope that whatever he does, uh, he is happy with it, and I'm sure, as Charlie says, all those things will happen. Now, last week we said, isn't it odd? A year since the whole Vince McMahon story happened, it seems to have gone very quiet. Earlier this week, we found out that Vince McMahon had undergone serious spinal surgery just a few days after it was revealed that he was served with a search warrant and a federal grand jury subpoena. Now, we ought to say Vince and WWE have both issued statements saying that they deny any internal wrongdoing. And Vince McMahon says he is confident that the government's investigation into him will not find any wrongdoing. We won't get into the ins and outs of the particular case, but it is worth noting that if anyone thought the Vince McMahon story was done... Think again. How is this man a real human being? Like, genuinely. How is the life of Vince McMahon not just the lunacy of some wildly mental human being somewhere making up a character in their mind? This man, he's like a parody of himself that if it was put into a film, we'd say, that's too ridiculous. 
in the same week to hear that he's had incredibly serious and potentially life-threatening spinal surgery that he kept secret from everyone, and that also the US government are investigating have a search warrant and a subpoena. I don't I don't know where to start, and I haven't spoken to anyone about this because I don't know what to say about it. Like, what, what do you say you just say, Vince does Vince, without without underestimating the seriousness of what may or may not have happened, and there is an investigation going on, but I think you just have to go, yeah, that's pretty on brand for Vince McMahon. If Vince McMahon, the man that is Vince McMahon, with everything he has done and what his life is, if you took that exact life, that exact man, and put him into a James Bond film, put him into the last Mission Impossible put him into a Marvel film, a DC film, and said, there's the big bad guy, you'd go, yes, okay, that, that that's feasible. That character can be in this world because it's just... No one else lives by the same rules or the same life as Vincent Manado. It is just interesting to note that the UFC merger has not fully gone through yet and that I don't think we were aware that there was a federal grand jury investigation into Vince McMahon and it will be interesting to see how that plays out but let's not prejudge anything uh, he's Charlie underscore Beckett I'm Jack underscore Murley let's do everyone's favorite part of the podcast something from everyday life that we love and a push and something we hate goes back to developmental first or second Charlie Okay, I'm going to bend the rules just a little bit because my earn in the push is everyone at the WAW Pride show that I was at last weekend. I know it's wrestling related, but I want to give a big shout out to all the folks in Norwich. Loved every single moment of it. If you ever get the chance to go to a WAW show, they will treat you well. They will entertain you. All the boys and gals on the show did amazingly well. And it just was a real reminder. You've been a big fan of, of when you were living in different parts of the UK about getting along to your local independent promotion and supporting them. Just a reminder of the amazing British scene that is out there. And, and it was phenomenal. Excellent. I saw lots of clips and I'm going to, I've got a two part in the push because I was going to cheat as well. So I'm going to jump on my first part here. Uh, my first part was again for WAW and independent wrestling, but also my friend Mr. Murley on commentary. If you haven't got time to go and watch the full video on YouTube, which I've seen bits of, not all of, just go on his Instagram, have a scroll through the bits Jack has shared. His commentary is phenomenal. It adds to the occasion. You see all the wrestlers commenting on it saying how much they valued his commentary. And it was just nice. So I met Jack as a commentator. Jack was commentating on my rugby games in Jersey, not as a journalist, not as a radio presenter. I met him as a commentator. And it's easy to forget, because he's so brilliant at other things, what a good commentator he is. He's looking very awkward as I say this. Uh, so it was nice to see my friend doing what he loves about what he loves. So that's my first Oh, bless you. Well, that's very nice. Um, and I have gone red. Uh, uh, we'll just scroll on past that. Um, back to developmental. Here is something, again, you'll be able to identify with. It took me 10 hours to get to Norwich from Cornwall. So back to developmental for me. British roads, but in particular... British roads in the summer holidays and in particular on top of that British roads in the summer holidays on a Friday because it was miserable yeah and also you're going from Cornwall that is notorious for only having a roads not a motorway to Norfolk which is notorious for only having a roads and not a motorway so that is a absolute horror how many stops did you have in that 10 hours one 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 stop into Michaelwood to use the facilities and straight back out. Didn't stop for food. Didn't stop for coffee. You're a you're a you're superhuman. I saw that you stopped the Gloucester on the way about there. I did. Some now we've done. I think probably Gloucester services. We're back again. We're back again. 
It's, this is a recurring segment. We should see if Gloucester Services, they probably won't want to sponsor a wrestling podcast, but maybe they should. It was just, I was thinking about all the other countries around the world and, and just there must be a better way to do roads than we do in the UK. So you just have to deal with it. So that's back to developmental for me. We've heard you were earning the push then. What's your uh, back to developmental? I've got two earn the push, okay. two-parter. Yeah. My other earn the push is the FIFA Women's World Cup, which is happening in Australia and New Zealand at the moment. So it's got, unfortunately, I didn't realise it was in Australia. So we, we've missed out on tickets, unfortunately, in Sydney because it's all over Australia and New Zealand. There's only a number of games in Sydney where we are. And because of my workout here, we can't travel to the other games, et cetera, et cetera. But we missed out on tickets, unfortunately. But there are fan parks. The whole city is a buzz like the other day. We were in the city just walking around on Sunday. The number of people I saw in Columbia shirts and brilliantly the number of men I saw in Columbia shirts going to the game to support the whole uh, country, the whole city is a buzz. Um, the Aussie women's football team have one of the greatest sporting nicknames in the world. They are known as the Matildas, which I think is just brilliant, and the Tillies for short. And Oz, uh, Australia really has Tilly fever at the moment. They're going mental for them. They had a big win against Canada. The Lionesses are doing brilliantly. Just go and watch it. The number of guys that's going to over here. We've got a guy at the club who, he's an eight-year-old guy. He does a lot of our like team management stuff. And I was chatting to him and he was like, I've never really watched too much of women's soccer before because I've never thought it was too good quality-wise. He's like, I am so wrong. I'm watching all this World Cup. It's brilliant. He was telling me all about his favourite Tillies players. And it's just, again, it's the wider thing. of It's great to see the attitude change to women's sports. But... If you've not been watching, get the FIFA Women's World Cup on because it's really bloody good. And there's been upsets like Germany, second in the world, have been knocked out of the group stages. It's all kicking up. Any good want for sport is happening in this. Just get it on and watch it. Yeah, and we're entering the knockout stages in the not-too-distant future. And and that's when it really pedaled to the medal because the Lioness is defending uh, or reigning European champions as well. And you just know they're beginning to tick at just the right time. Uh, Lauren James playing sensationally well. So do get that on if you get the chance. Uh, what's going back to developmental? Uh, precursed this. This is not because of my current one of these. I've had ones in the past. But uh, a number of people I know and care about and love are struggling with this at the moment. So bad bosses. People who are bosses and are bad bosses who don't look after people well and treat people badly. Uh, and developmental. A number of people I know and love and care about are having issues at the moment and it reminds me of I've had one really bad boss in my time who I really didn't enjoy working under and it's just really the worst. Like It makes life very tough. We all have to earn a living and do a job uh, but if you've got a boss who either doesn't treat you well, doesn't value you well or some of them seem to go out of their way to try and make people miserable, it's just not cool and it can have really serious consequences. So I've actually had some serious uh, one's on earn the push about development this week, which is rare for me. But yeah, bad bosses can just piss off, really. Yeah, so say all of us. I long for the days when you return to your back to developmental being poor slippers or bad self-service till etiquette. Maybe, maybe I've come out of Australia and grown up. Maybe that's what's happened. At 27 years old, I'm going to ask. Nah, you'll regress. The moment we get you back in the UK, this will all change. Well, look, it's been a hell of an episode. And next week, we know it's going to be even bigger because we will have reaction to SummerSlam and of course the Raw after SummerSlam which is going to be big as well remember he's Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter I'm Jack underscore Merley rate, review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening today we can't thank you enough for your support so thank you for listening one final question Charlie when we sit down next week what is the surprise of the SummerSlam weekend going to be where are we going to start is it going to be The Rock I don't think it'll be The Rock I saw 
online today that one Mr. Bobby Roode has been spotted around Detroit as he might be fit again after having neck surgery in 2022. I think um, a rejuvenated, repackaged. If at some point, if in that Battle Royale, the glorious theme tune hits, I'll lose my mind. I'll lose my mind. I'll be very excited to see Bobby Roode and see him pushed the way he was in NXT. That'd be really cool. Um, and what else do I think will happen at SummerSlam? Any other surprises? There's going to be some sort of shenanigans in that main event that we just don't expect. That's where we'll start. And I'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe the wild Samoans came back. That would be something, wouldn't it? But no, there'll be some shenanigans that we don't see. I agree. And that's why we love wrestling. Look, for today, we are out of time. But remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you are for Charlie underscore Beckett and Jack underscore Murley on social media. We are out of time. Thank you for listening to Earn in the Bush and we'll see you again next time. Until then, enjoy your wrestling week and bye bye. <laughs>